To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just hate the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 144. Your Opinionated bench, Benchwarmers are back to do what we do best, and that's record sports. Of course, we have my brother, Ramon, in here. So, Ramon, how you feeling? Feeling pretty good, bro. Uh, it's a pretty good day. Uh, you know, not crazy, not hectic in any way of which it could technically be. So, uh, been a good day. Uh, been definitely a good kind of week of sports that we've had since the last time that we recorded. I know we had that NBA preview that hit the last time around, and uh, the season is in full swing of things. NFL is is rolling along as usual, you know, trade deadline there. So, you know, we just got a lot of a lot of good things that are rolling. Uh, but before that, man, I got to ask you the same thing. I can't just have it be about me, bro. How how things going on your end? Oh, yeah, man. Going good. Going good, man. I actually checked out a Wizards game this weekend, so I'll get into that a little bit as we get into our NBA outlook. But, you know, I you know, I feel good. Basketball's back. My favorite sport. I love it. You know, a passion of mine. So I'm just happy that everything's together and, you know, the NBA is back rolling. So I'm, I'm doing good. Excited to be back here with you, my brother, weekly recording this podcast. So everything's smooth. Um. But yeah, I mean, you you notice by now the listeners know that you're you're only hearing two voices. You usually hear three. Uh, low side third partner in crime is not on this episode. So, but Ramon and I are gonna hold it down. So never never fear. We always hold it down on the podcast and have some interesting takes. Uh, but man, we got a lot to get into. So we're gonna get into it, man. We got a little bit of NFL, um, of course, as we all do. Recap week eight, and then we'll uh, get into some waiver wire pickups for yourself um, as we do weekly. And then we got some big NBA news uh, coming through. So we'll start there uh, and give a little recap of week one of the NBA. But we'll start with the biggest news of the evening. I mean, I, I wouldn't say the evening, man. I woke up this morning, barely could get the cold out of my eye. And as a Halloween morning surprise, James Harden, the saga is complete. James Harden is no longer a Philadelphia 76er. As you know, now he is a L.A. Clipper. So, um, as Lakers fans, you know how we feel about it, but we'll try to be as unbiased as we can. But I mean, James Harden strikes again. He's on his what fourth team in the last what five years? Yeah, about that. Yeah. So I mean, he he's a guy that that really really has proven himself. I mean, I know um, as we go through uh, James Harden, and we've covered him on prior episodes, but 
I mean, you know, where you want to start with this? I mean, we could start with James Harden as a person in general, then we can kind of get into analytics and what this means for the Western Conference and what this means for the Clippers, who are in our division. So, I mean, as Lakers fans, of course, we got our eye on what our division mates do. But, Ramon, start there, man. What do you think about this trade? And, you know, what what was your initial thought when you woke up this morning and saw that the move finally happened? Uh yeah, like you said, you know, I was kind of in the same boat, kind of the same situation. Uh, I Actually, for me, I, I woke up in the middle of the night, you know, and just kind of sometimes when I wake up in the middle of the night, I just kind of glance over at my phone, try to see, you know, kind of what time it is, how much more time I get to go to sleep. I do the um, same thing. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'd be hoping that it's not close to that alarm ringing or anything like that. And so I just kind of glanced or whatever and saw the notifications on my phone and saw James Harden has been dealt to the Clippers. And, you know, like you said, you halfway sleep. So you still kind of in shock mode and everything like that with it. Um, And so it really kind of caught me off guard because I really didn't see the move to me happening this soon. And um, I guess maybe for the listener's sake, do we want to kind of share the details of the, the trade, you know, before oh, maybe right. going into it? And- yeah, yeah. Let's get it for people who haven't um, heard of the details. Uh, so we the Clippers sent uh, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, a 2026 and a 2028 first round pick, two second round picks and a pick swap. They did uh, to the Sixers for James Harden and P.J. Tucker. So, I mean, hey. The Sixers got a haul for him. I mean, I think that that's as good as you can get, you know, for a a 34-year-old, you know, aging all-star. But, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, I think that, you know, ultimately, even though when people will say, you know, hey, people can always say it was a bag of chips or peanuts or whatever you want to call it. But I think that ultimately, in the way that James Harden's trade value has been lowered, uh, this was likely the best thing that they can get uh, in return for him. I think if I just kind of give a quick reaction to the trade and to the move, um, I think that it potentially makes the Clippers better. You know, when you can get a guy like James Harden, who to me still is a really good player, uh, still is a player that can be to me the floor general of a franchise you know he doesn't strike me as that Houston James Harden anymore that's gonna you know be able to fill it up and drop 40 you know or 50 any given night uh but he still is one of your best kind of orchestrators of an offense at this particular time now I think that in instant reaction it's a little bit of an interesting fit to me um we saw Russell Westbrook and James Harden together in Houston Um, And that was without the likes of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And the fit to me wasn't the greatest in Houston, especially once it got to playoff time. Uh, Things were able to kind of be masked during the regular season. But I just don't totally understand the fit when you have a guy in Russell Westbrook, to me, who has to be a floor general because he's not an off-ball guy. Uh, We saw that when he played for the Lakers. He's not going to do well playing off ball. And to me, at this point in James Harden's career, his best skill set is playing on the ball as well and being a floor general and facilitator. So to really see how that's going to mesh, that kind of troubles me a little bit from their regard. But, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, I was just kind of ready to see this saga be over. Didn't want to continue to see the drama that we talked about in the previous podcast. So, 
from the Clippers standpoint, you know, hey, maybe it's a move that you had to make. Maybe you think that it bolsters you to the point that now you're in contention with the Nuggets and in contention with, you know, um, with Phoenix up there at the top of the Western Conference. Maybe uh, with Philly is something that you had to do. You had to move on. And maybe you can take some of those assets and kind of flip them for something else in return to try to pair with MB. So that's just initial thoughts on the move. Yeah, I mean, my initial thought, I mean, it's, it's the first who's um, concerning to me. Um, I didn't think that James Harden and Russ, but Westbrook got along. I, I didn't think that. They played in Houston like you talked about. So you sent a guy back to Westbrook, coexist. Okay, move that to the side. Secondly, uh, Westbrook and Harden, it's no secret that they are better with the ball in their hands than they are with the ball offside their hands. So to say that I could, I could see – James Harden playing off ball, I can't personally, I haven't seen it in a decade. I hadn't seen it since he changed the point guard with Houston. So their usage is the same. So again, you know, you look at Westbrook probably most likely is lost in the fold here. And, you know, you, you listen, you know, you add context to it and what he's saying in the media, the media is acting like, what, what kind of season are you expecting to have this year? This guy said that he expects, he hopes to, um, average a triple double again. Well, those days are gone. You know, even with Harden and Paul, I mean, even with Paul George and and Kawhi, like you're not gonna get the 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 ball. You're not gonna have the ball in your hands enough to to accomplish that feat. So I moved that to the side, and then you know, um, on the second side of, of the Clippers, then I look at the the rest of the field. The Lakers are their contenders, not unbiased opinion, but we are a a true contender in the NBA. Maybe the fourth fourth favorite to win the title. And then you have, you know, you Phoenix, like you talked about. Then you have Denver, who, who I don't know if anybody's going to beat them. And then you have, like you say, you move to the East, and it's the same thing. You have the Dame and 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 uh, Greek Freak and what they formed out there in Milwaukee. You have these true contenders in in Boston. the league. Boston. I mean, how can I forget about Boston? You have Miami, who turns it on probably the last couple months of the season, and, and they become a problem in the playoffs. So I don't know if it moves the needle per se for the Clippers. Um, one thing that that we do know is that the Paul George in their injury history, and we knew no Kawhi's injury history. So if that were to happen, hopefully not, you know, because I enjoy watching both of these guys play, but they miss a lot of time. James Harden will be able to step in, in in some type of capacity to where they may not have that big of a fall off as they've had in previous years when Kawhi misses much time. But initially, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't think it moves the needle. I mean, if this deal happened maybe four or five years ago, and I got prime time Harden, then you know I maybe would bat my eye a little bit. But for now, I don't think it moves the needle to compete in this league today. Yeah, now, and I think that that's interesting. You know that we feel similar ways on that. Um, you know, Vegas feels differently. I think that before the trade went down, that the Clippers were at either the seventh or eighth best odds to win the championship. Um, and now Vegas has moved them up to the fifth best odds uh, to where they sit behind those two Eastern Conference teams that you referenced, as in Milwaukee and Boston. And, um, of course, from a Western Conference standpoint, uh, now they have them sitting behind the Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns. Uh, this deal, from a Vegas standpoint, catapulted them above us as the Lakers and also above the Warriors in um in yeah. the the uh, championship and, odds, so and look, we all know what what Vegas trying to do, right? You you can't, you know, they they say what you can't beat the books. So I mean, okay, get a lot of people to put money on on the Clippers and, and see what happens. You'll be 
highly disappointed. Just ask the Clippers fan. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. just I'm just telling you. But from the flip side of that, I mean, I'm not into attacking Harden's character. Um, but you know, like I like how Stephen A. put it. But you're his sports character, right? Uh, who he is on the floor. That's all we want to evaluate. We don't know about him as the person, but just as you know, historically, you know how he's moved in the past five years, man. I can't respect it in a sense. I, I just can't. I think I spoke on this on the last time we discussed this, but you know, I mean, a guy that quits on his team, and you know, what did what did what did Embiid do to him? <laughs> you know, what did what did Tobias Harris do to him? What did Tyre, what did Tyrese Maxey do to him? And for him to quit on that team, which is a good team, and with Hart on that team, they were a contender in my eyes. But like, I mean, Harden, are, are you are you about tired of this with Harden? I, I mean, does you think do you think that this will hurt his legacy in hindsight? Uh, I think that it certainly does, you know. And I think from this aspect, you gotta you gotta look at it. A couple of years ago, we were hearing asinine arguments that James Harden may have been the best uh, offensive two guard that we've ever seen. Like we were hearing arguments that maybe he was a better offensive player than Kobe Bryant. You know, we were hearing all of these kind of legacy type things from James Harden. And so, you know, I think that when you take a step back now at this point, I don't think that he'll be in those discussions, you know, and I think that people, um, as you talk about, look at the basketball character and that's going to start to bring him down some notches. I think to me, you look at a prime example of that. And when we look at a guy like a Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard was a guy that I don't think that the two of us would argue is a top 75 guy of all time. I think that there's no doubt that he should have been on that list. But in a guy in Dwight Howard, I think that he partially slid down and didn't get a chance of being on that list because of some of the basketball character things that you mentioned and the ways that things went down initially with the Lakers and the way that things went down with the Houston Rockets and the way that things went down with the Washington Wizards and team after team. And so we're taking it back to James Harden. I think that you could see a similar situation in which his legacy does change based upon the way that he's exited several organizations at this point. And we ultimately don't know what it's going to end up being in L.A. Is he back, quote unquote, home now at this point and on the West Coast? And when you think about his ultimate roots and where he comes from, but is he going to be content there or is something else going to pop up at this point? So I think to get back and answer your question, Yes, I think it does impact that from a legacy standpoint. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't say anything differently than what you said. You know how I feel about Harden, and so we can move on here. But on the flip side, on in the last piece, probably the most important piece is implications of Joel Embiid. Here's a guy that's been, you know, he's been loyal to Philly. Philly has been loyal to him because I know he's been awesome, great, probably one of the best. He's probably been one of the top two big men for the past five years. It's been him and Jokic going back and forth for that title. Um, however, you know, he finally coming off his, his M- NBA MVP. But if you go back to the first two or three years of his career, I don't think he set foot on the floor um, because of, of lingering injuries. But, you know, now it's time. I mean, I, I think that Embiid, you know, they, they've surrounded him around Jimmy Butler. We all know how he felt about Jimmy Butler. We know how Jimmy Butler felt about him. They bust that up. And now James Harden, they, they fumbled that. Um, I really believe that this is Embiid's last year in Philly. I think that maybe I think Embiid begins to push his way out of of Philly and find him a better situation. Um, What what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I agree. You know, I think that ultimately the writing, you know, is going to kind of be on the wall with that. You know, that when guys start getting to 
this point is this what Joel and B's what around his eighth season or yes. yeah. something around there. Uh when guys start getting to that point, I mean eight to ten season. He's somewhere between that eight to ten range. Yeah, he is fly, man. We yeah. were just talking about how time fly. Yeah. Um, because he was in that that Wiggins draft, right? He was in that Wiggins, Jabari Parker, that whole. So this might be actually his tenth year in the league. But with that being said, he's to the point where you know, it's kind of starting to be championship or bust for him. You know, like he has to start adding to his legacy from that standpoint. And when you look at some of his counterpoints in the league, you look at Jokic that has, you know, of course, added a championship. You think about other bigs in the league. Uh, Giannis has gotten on the board with a championship. We know what Anthony Davis did in 2020. Um, you know, he's one of those bigs that's kind of sitting out there ringless. And so I think that he will start to kind of get a little bit antsy. Um, now what I will say to me is a little bit interesting from a Sixer standpoint is how sustainable is what Tyrese Maxey is doing right now. Can Tyrese Maxey potentially elevate himself to being a secondary like star, um, to be kind of that, that guy that you can pair with Joel Embiid. I mean, if you look at obviously super small sample size at this point, so very small sample size. Um, but right now as we're recording this podcast, he's averaging 30 uh six and six or 37 and six is basically if you round it from a standpoint um so can he turn into that number two option for Joel Embiid but I think that if he doesn't have that consistency then as you stated Joel Embiid may be looking to go elsewhere and they say that teams are already positioning themselves for that type of move yeah, you stated, and uh, just for the feds up, uh, he was drafted in 2014, so you're right. He was drafted at Wiggins draft, so um, he's entering uh, his uh, his ninth uh, his ninth year. So this is his ninth season. So, yeah, you you're spot on there, brother. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, Tyree, I like Tyrese Maxey a lot. I, I do think that he can take that next step, and maybe and Philly is is really banking on that. But I think that the 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 build around that trade with Harden was mostly it, it had rebuild all over it. So that's why I was like, man, they per, you know if I was Embiid, a perennial superstar, um, uh, reigning MVP of the league, I I wouldn't too much I wouldn't care about that. And you know we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but it doesn't seem like Philly really tried to do anything to reconcile this either. But we're moving on. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, NBA, we'll spend a little time there. It's a long season. We have the play-in game starting this week. I still don't know what an NBA play-in tournament looks like. I'm just I'm just down for the ride, Ramon. I, I don't know. I saw that they released these, these fancy basketball courts. Um, I thought that that was weird. And I'm a traditionalist, man. I, I really – I don't know what's going on anymore. So I, I'll let you take it away. Uh, yeah, I think that we all are kind of stuck in the same spot that we all kind of <laughs> scratching our heads to find out what's going on. You know, I think that it's one of those things where, you know, maybe we're going to look back on it and say that it was a genius idea. It's one of those things that we really more so see kind of these midseason cups or whatever they call it uh, in kind of Euro soccer and all that kind of stuff. Or I guess it would be football out football out there. Uh, since we're the only country that really calls it soccer. But you see it more so in those kind of leagues. And so I think that Adam Silver is trying to take a stab and seeing, hey, this is something that works really well in the number one sport globally. Uh, can we take this and implement this in the NBA? 
and um, give it a little bit of a slight March Madness feel in the middle of the season. Um, and I think that the main thing that I struggle with. If the people here, could see my face right now. <laughs> right. If only they could see that. We we got to get a, a way to put that out so that they can see that face right there. But I think the thing that kind of gets me is that it's about to kick off. And to me, like the season just got started. Like, yeah. What are, what are we doing with that? Like, I can see if it if we had gotten our feet under us more as the season had started, but with things already beginning to kick off with, I don't know if it's group play or what they calling it. Like, I'm I'm confused right now to be honest. Um, <laughs> They're just making it up as they go along. <laughs> exactly, and so I think that we're all in that place of confusion. I think that even the players, when I've heard the players talk about it, they don't totally know what's going on. I think that the vision of it won't be clear almost until we either halfway through it or actually completely all the way through it. And then I think we'll still be scratching our heads. Like, does this start counting with players legacy? Like, yeah. You, you know, team, like, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I agree with you there. I mean, I think that, but I think when you look at the major leagues and you look at there now, they, they may have waited too long to implement changes as we know they inter- implemented the pitch clock this year which worked out wonderful for them and they implemented reviews finally like last year or the last two years but you know with the nba it's like you're right we said this league is 77 years old 70 77 years old it's like you know like why are you messing with guys legacies like you know like i think you know i don't need a in play tournament and I, i i know what this is the result of okay it's the result of adding value to the regular season and it's adding on to guys not sitting out more. I get that. But it's like, that's all you could think of. Like, I, I don't like the idea of it. You want guys to get up for this in-tournament ball, but they're trying to get rid of it. They want the playoffs. They want a, a chip. Like, this is what NBA players thrive and live for. And I just think that when you add these playing games, I think that you're just kind of, you know, you're, you're just adding too much. You know, you implement the rules about the guys playing. How about you enforce that? And then the flop rule that they implemented, so far, so bad. Like, And I meant to say so far, so bad, because how can you prove if a guy is really, truly flopping in real time? You're not going to do that. So it's like, I don't know. I think some of the stuff they're adding is just uh, – I just I, I just think it's ridiculous. Right, right. Now, to play the other side of it, what I will say, you know, is, is for me, and I'll just speak for myself, whenever – so, you know, we know this in-season tournament is definitely something that's new. But to me, when the play-in was first surfacing and I was hearing that, you know, teams yeah. with 7 through 10 would have a chance of, <laughs> of earning spots and and hearing that basically seed 7 and 8 would be up for grabs, I was like, man, what are we doing? Like, I was on that whole get-off-my-line type, you know, old <laughs> man type stuff or whatever with that. Um, and honestly, the play-in has been a great addition to me you know, to the NBA, to the playoff time. So maybe this in-season tournament will shock us. I just got to still kind of wrap my head around it and figure out what exactly is going on. Yeah, it's like if your team wins the in-season tournament, but another team wins the championship, like the only reason I the only I see success if the team wins the in-season tournament and wins the championship, I feel like you big dog then. But yeah. Um, just, I mean, as we wrap up this NBA segment, it's not much really to talk about right now. We're still kind of getting through things. You got guys averaging 30 points and you got, I don't know who I 
the who I looked at that was like second in scoring right now in the NBA that that probably won't be there next week. Uh, he's a good player, but I don't think he's be he'll be averaging thirty points. So it's just too early, really, to to access or evaluate the talent. But what we will, I will get into like sort of like who who cares segment of the NBA. Uh, I told Ramon that we was uh, that I checked out a Wizards game. I checked out their season opener, and I've never seen a worse brand of basketball um, that the Wizards have put out on the floor. Man, I you know when it comes down to Kuzma and Jordan Poole, they are not. They are not the guys that you want to be your first and second option. And if anything, it proves that Jordan Poole was in the right role in Golden State. Yeah, come off the come off the bench. Steph's hurt. He'll spell spell him for a few games. But um, just what I saw, I mean, I, I don't want I don't want Kuzma taking twenty shots. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't want him and and Jordan Poole. I don't want. I don't. If it takes him twenty three shots to get twenty one points, I I can live without that. And I, I just wasn't impressed. And I'm like, man, the Wizards are really in a funk right now. Yeah, I, I just want to kind of ask and see what was the kind of just overall like vibe? Like, do you is it do you feel that things are kind of Wizards centric out there? Like, do they truly have the fan base in the D.C. area? Was it kind of was it any energy within the arena? Like what are what's kind of the areas pulse as it relates to the Wizards? I mean, I think it was the energy was there. I mean, it was playing the Grizzlies without Ja. So, I mean, I was looking at Memphis as well. Without Ja, I don't think that they're – you don't want Bain being your first option there. You don't want Marcus Smart being your second. And these are great – these are good players. These are good NBA players, don't get me wrong. But I feel like they they ran the wrong shoes. But as far as a Wizards fan, I think the base is there. But I think, you know, I think Washington and their owners have not cared about sports so long, just cares about selling selling a brand – are, are you know the tickets will sell themselves or you know and then when you take into account you don't have a lot of natives you have people a lot of people that that moved up like myself moved up here in, in the area so it's just like you know you just you just have a fan a mesh of everybody so I mean I, I don't think that the product that they put out on the floor I think they should be ashamed of themselves with with that I, I think they fooled a lot of people I think I think maybe John Poole just fooled them man because he hadn't been the same since that incident with with Draymond Green but uh, it's not. It's not. We're not gonna change this tool. We did a whole segment on the Wizards. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. But I did check it out. I will be checking out more games just because I I love basketball and I love professional basketball. So I'll be in the building, of course, when the Lakers come, when the Pelicans come through, you know. But I, I'll keep you posted on that. But I mean, it was a a terrible brand of basketball. You got fans cheering and stuff. I'm like, do you see how bad this is? He's shooting cool shot forty percent from the field, like. I'm telling you, just jacking up threes. I'm like, bro, he has the ultimate green light, and that's the wrong guy to have the green light. And Jordan Poole, the verdict's out on him. He's looked terrible to start with the Wizards. But anyway. Yeah, he had that one little good preseason showing where everybody felt like he was back. I think he had like 29 points in the in the first half or something like that, and he's yeah. been non-existent since. Yeah, he was scraping to get over 23 points in, in the Wizards in, the, in that game against the Memphis uh, Grids. But, yeah, man, we can yeah. – uh, I, I, I think uh, just right quickly, just kind of you were mentioning scoring guys. I, I don't know if the name you were thinking of is our former LSU guy and Cam Thomas. He's like, oh, fourth in the yeah, right that's now, what I was thinking averaging about. 33, yeah, <laughs> averaging like, 33 a night. Hey, Cam Thomas is special. He is very special. I don't know how I stumbled across that stat this morning, but I, you know, every morning I check out the box scores and check out how players are doing. I was like, man, Cam really going off. 
But I, all due respect, Cam is a special offensive talent, and he wears number 24 because Kobe's his guy. He has extreme offensive talent, but I, I highly doubt. If you was to tell me to bet on the scoring champion of the league, I would not take him. I wouldn't even take him second. But, you know, power to Cam, but that's not happening going forward. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I figured that that must have been the name you were thinking about when I looked <laughs> yeah, at it. exactly. <laughs> Again, good player. Don't get me wrong. Good player. I'm not bashing NBA players. If you're in the league, you are uh, the great ba- – you're good at basketball. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But I'm just saying – Rolls, rolls in on the league and on the team. You put a man, you put Kuzma on. Uh, let's say you put Kuzma on the 76ers, or you put Kuzma even on the Bucks. You know, you have a, a solid role player coming off the bench. But I don't want him being my second guy. You know, even Jordan Poole. You put him on a, you put him on a great team. Put him on the Lakers. Put Jordan Poole on the Lakers. You know, you you would get better efficiency. But I mean, it's just hard to watch. You know. Like you just blatantly see, okay, these are not the like we see what it makes what Kevin and Luca and all these guys do on a nightly basis. You really appreciate what they do on a nightly basis, and and realize how difficult it is when you watch teams that p- try to put players that that aren't prepared for their role or not skilled enough for their role. So I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. And and it's funny because I was walking out of the arena. You hear Wizards fan. I was like, man, the Wizards are bad. I said this after a win. I was like, the Wizards are a bad team. And they're like, what are you talking about? We just got the win. I was like, and in my head, I'm like, just keep watching. <laughs> All right. Stay <laughs> tuned. Stay just, tuned. Just keep watching. But anyway, so I think that's time well spent there. Whoever thought we'd do a wizard uh segment. But hey, we're we're jack of all trades. We don't we, we, we're good at what we do, so we cover everything. But as we transition into the NFL, like the NBA, the NFL had their trade deadline as we record this on um, Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the trade deadline was set, uh, but we had a couple deals go through. Nothing major, but it's some deals that we can talk through. Um, again, uh, the, the Washington Commanders come up, uh, and as we've seen uh, – uh, Marquez Sweat's uh, frustration seven years in the franchise, and I'm starting to think you a homer, bro. Like <laughs> we got a wizard segment now, we got a commander <laughs> segment. Like, bro, like you, I, I'm trying to see you. You still got the Louisiana blood in you, bro. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, I look. I'm just reporting the stories, man. Those are the biggest trades. I got you. I got you. Got to mess hey, but- with. Uh, you know, the, the Commanders fans, were. I talked to one of them, they were upset. My coworker was upset that they got rid of Chase Young and Marquez Sweat, which uh, I'll give details of the trade here. They sent Chase Young to the Rich Get Richer, sent him to the 49ers, and the 49ers gave up uh, – they only gave – they gave up a third-round pick for Chase Young, and then uh, they sent Marquez Sweat. Uh, he – complain and got in a worse situation as they sent him to the Bears and um they the Bears got a second round pick for Monquez Montez let me stop saying Monquez Montez Montez Sweat um but you know again I mean what do you think about those deals when you first heard about them and uh I mean Chase Young was what their number two pick in the in which draft 2017 draft uh no, I think he was in the no, 2020. Yeah, 2020. It was 2020 because oh, sure. he, yeah, he was he and uh he was in that same draft as uh Burrow and those guys. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think that for me, you know, what it kind of showed me, honestly, is that I don't know how serious the commanders are about trying to contend or trying to win at this point. You know, I think that they found themselves, you know, with maybe two guys that they didn't want to invest in long term and put in, you know, um, you know, contracts. Obviously, they would be, I think, um, I know at least uh, Chase Young and I'm trying to see if Montez Sweat, what? What draft did was he in? Was he in that Ooh, same? He was in, I think he was in that 2017 draft. Uh, Montez came before Chase. I want to say. Let's see. Let me see. Let's see very right quick. I, I, I'll fact check. You keep on with your. Yeah. No, but thing. I think that ultimately it to me showed you know that okay maybe they aren't the serious as serious as they could be about trying to get into the playoff hunt. I know they find themselves. Uh, third in their division right now, um, and it seems to be a gap that's growing larger between them and the Dallas Cowboys uh, to try to really get into good contention uh, within that division. And then if you look kind of just overall in the conference, I can kind of see now a little bit more so of how they're sliding back. Um, and I think you look at, to me, two guys along that defensive line that, to me, can be difference makers uh, in where they're going and where they're heading to. And you really basically have said that these picks that we invested in them, these are two first round guys, uh, two first round draft picks that you have utilized over the last few years. And you just decided that, hey, I'm going to punt on it and, um, you know, just try to recoup uh, some assets. So it just kind of makes me scratch my head with the Washington Commanders and um, makes me kind of just question like how invested are you into winning or are you going to kind of be in this endless cycle where i get talent i don't end up wanting to pay talent so i'm gonna just get rid of talent and then i'm mm. going to continue to be in this endless cycle of not truly contending so that's kind of the questions for me you know as it pertains to them making these moves yeah they you know that was that 2019 draft that they got montez and they actually traded two second round picks to to get montez so um, it, I scratch my head as well. I mean, we know that the game of uh, the game of football, it, it's one in the, in the trenches. You know, uh, I think that, you know, my team, the Saints, I mean, I think historically we've invested in defensive tackles and offensive linemen. And even though our offense have been terrible, um, we bounced back against your Colts. But, you know, traditionally we've been <laughs> trying to slide that in real quick like that wouldn't be noticed. <laughs> traditionally. You know, you know, you invest in that line. I mean, defensive linemen are, are very rare to come up by, come up on. That's why you, you're seeing these for top five picks going to these defensive ends. And, you know, you think about the Bosa's of the world, and you think about the Watts of the world, and 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 where they're going. You know, it, these these are top notch talent. So, you know, when you give up, when you give up on that, I, I don't. I don't think you're committed to winning, like you said. I mean, their defense wasn't the problem. I mean, if anything, their offense, it, they can't – their offense is not bad. You know, I, I think that they're just poorly coached. And I think that um, Rivera, I think his days are are, are winding down. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, they went toe-to-toe with the Eagles. I mean, I, I don't – I mean, I, I get rid of Sweat. I mean, I don't think getting rid of both of those guys, especially Chase – who's barely played for you because he's been hurt, but he's a, we know he's talented. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I uh, can, can roll right now. I, I don't, I, I don't see the vision, so to speak. And historically with the commanders and their ownership and the type of moves they made in the past, I mean, this doesn't, 
you know, with a new ownership team coming in, they're, they're not off to a good start. I mean, I, I don't I don't think that, you know, rebuilding every year, you got to start with a foundation. You got to pay somebody. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I agree with you 100 percent there. It's, it's continues to be head scratching. And like you said, you just can't be in this endless cycle of just rinse and repeat. Let me go and draft guys high again. And then once again, I'm just going to kind of let them go because ultimately I don't want to pay them. Um, I can see how, as you mentioned, you could have some questions with uh, particularly Chase Young's injury history. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I think that just rinsing and repeating is just not the right path there. I think that, you know, they didn't want to find themselves in a position where they lose, you know, the two of them or definitely lose Chase Young and not get anything in return. But still, ultimately, I, I, I just don't see it, man. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. So we're moving along. Uh, the, the next uh, sort of big move is Minnesota. And I think it says more implications about how they feel about their season and where they're going. They traded uh, a six-round pick to Arizona to get Joshua Dobbs. And Arizona gave up uh, Joshua Dobbs and a seventh-round conditional pick. So um, I think it's a nice move for uh, fantasy owners. I know they're elated because you didn't know where we were going before the Hawkinson and the Jefferson owners when he gets back and the Jordan Addison owners, I know that they're elated about it. You know, you got somebody that that you at least have some type of competent quarterback play. Not that he's, you know, on Kirk Cousins level, but I mean, he he can steer the ship, you know, for the rest of the year, so to speak. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I don't have too much to add to it. I think that it lets you know that Minnesota thinks that they still have an opportunity to make a playoff push with this team. I think that prior to this move being made, people were maybe questioning too, you know, are they just going to kind of maybe sit Jefferson for the rest of the season or kind of what are they going to do? But I think they have a clear sign and a clear direction to say, you know, we're still going to take a run at this. We're still going to try to make a playoff push. You know, I think that they feel that they fortified that backfield a little bit more uh, with the addition of Cam Akers over the last couple of weeks um, and things of that sort. And like you said, me being selfish as a personal uh, TJ Hawkinson owner in two leagues that I'm in, I was I, I was in the dumps, man. I was in the dumps because <laughs> in one of my dynasty leagues that I'm in, not in our dynasty league, but another dynasty league that I'm in, I lost uh, Anthony Richardson, who was my starting quarterback in that league. But I had drafted Kirk Cousins as kind of like my my backup, my safety net type of QB. Kirk Cousins goes down, and I also have TJ Hawkinson in that league. So I was like, man, you you got to be kidding me. So um, I'm hoping that I can slide under the radar. Uh, actually, surprisingly, in that dynasty league, uh, Joshua Dobbs is still out there, which is more so a little bit rare in dynasty leagues. Uh, so I'm hoping to kind of snag him and see if he can be a guy between me now being stuck with Gardner Minshew and, uh, and uh, Mac Jones is my – QB options. Yeah, I'm gonna that's try terrible. to kind of grab him and hopefully it can save the day with Hawkinson as well, too. But hey man, let's check you out. Giving a little waiver wire advice uh in the in the in the trading segment. That's all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I you know, I you know, I'm not gonna beat a dead horse here. I think we we pretty much covered that uh um there. The only thing I will add to that is Joshua Dobbs is a rocket scientist and studied aerodynamics engineering, something I can't even, I don't know what it was. I think he's just a rocket scientist. So if anybody, if you had any concerns about him being able to pick up an NFL offensive playbook on the fly, 
I, I, I'll put my money on, on Joshua Dobbs. So um, shout out to Joshua Dobbs. I mean, I was a little concerned there. I mean, you, you know, it got kind of weird. What did you think about, you know, uh, uh, old Gannon saying, uh, saying that uh, Joshua Dobbs will be his starter. And then uh, reports came out, was that Monday or Sunday? Uh, uh, I decided to go in a different direction after watching film. You know, how you, how you like that little trick? <laughs> All but saying, hey, we're going to rest him up. We we, we got a trade on the, on the table for him. <laughs> Right, right. No, definitely. Uh, I thought that that was pretty interesting. And it's like a it's an interesting situation when you look at, at both teams, because obviously we know Kyler Murray is on the horizon and, you know, he'll be making his return within the next few weeks or so. I think that he still doesn't return this week, but I think that uh, he'll be back soon. So it was interesting to see it from that standpoint. And then I know that, too, even from the Minnesota standpoint, uh, they were a little bit hesitant with the rookie. I'm forgetting his first name. I think his last name is Hall. I can't remember if it's Jaron Hall or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he is gonna have to kind of step in there because you you can't just within that short time frame just give Dobbs a couple of days uh to come and step right in. But I think that shortly after this week that Dobbs will be uh the guy over there. But yeah, there's definitely an interesting uh turning events um and changing direction real swiftly. Yeah, I agree, man. Here we are. Here we are. But I will say this. We'll shift off to a NFL recap, and then we'll get into some waiver-wise, and then we'll wrap this thing up. But first, my brother, 0-2 against the podcast, uh, your podcast mates. Y- y'all lost to the Rams. Y'all lost to my Saints this past week. You were quiet. We didn't talk trash this week. Man, let me hear it, bro. How'd you yeah. feel? <laughs> I think that this was once again one of those just like when Los and I talked that probably neither one of us was too sure about uh, about what that outcome might be. I got to go back and look at our pick them. I can't. Did you pick your Saints in our pick them? Yeah, I did. You picked. Okay. I saw you pick the Colts. Yeah, I, I picked my Colts in the pick them. What I will say is even taking it back to I don't know if it's the it must be the podcast before this one. Uh, I told y'all and told the listeners as well. Once Anthony Richardson went down, you know, I've been in tank mode. So for me, I hate to seem, you know, in this way and make it seem like, hey, it's just okay to lose. But it was kind of a win-win to me. Either my team was going to beat the Saints and I would have had the leg up in this discussion or my team was going to lose and put us in a better position from a draft pick standpoint, which is ultimately what I'm angling for for the rest of the season. So, I mean, hats off to y'all. Kudos to y'all for, you know, turning it around and getting that dub and for that offense, honestly, having a pulse this week. So I, I kind of want to more so hear from you <laughs> because I know that you've been, you know, on this anti P Carmichael train, on this anti Dennis Allen train. And I don't think that to me, this changes it probably too much for you. But I want to hear what you got to say about your Saints looking solid offensively. Ramon, I'll, uh, you said it. It doesn't, I do not waver at all. I want P. Carmichael gone. I want us to get a new offensive scheme. Um, I, you know, I'm not moved at all. I mean, and and, and I'm starting to raise my eyebrow at old Darren Carter, too. Uh, you know, he's been lost in the smoke of our horrible offense, but I mean, we looked somewhat competent play calling against the Colts, uh, as everyone in the league does. No offense, brother. No offense. <laughs> call it like it is. Wait, hold up, hold up. I'm going to pause it right there because, because anytime someone says no offense, that always either comes right before or right after one of the most offensive or disrespectful comments that you can make. 
Everyone always has to no offense with something that's really going to hit below the belt or it's going to be super offensive. So, no, hey, I'm not giving you the no offense right there. I'm just calling it how I see it. But, no, all jokes aside, you know, I, you know, I think that they're, you know, I, P. Carmichael, you know, we we maybe we need some rejuvenation, like you said. But like I said, I'm not impressed about having this type of offensive performance against the Patriots and then the Colts. You know, it's it's just one of those things. And you know, I think until we change that, we don't know. But I also think Derek Carr. You know, you know, you you, you could say that that's a Chris Olave drop or what? But I mean, hit him in his helmet. I don't think he can catch it in his helmet. And then. He just completely missed him on a, on a subsequent pass on Olave, which probably would have been the first down for us. So Derek Carr, he missed some throws last week too. That were, were that was that I was scratching my head on, but I don't know. We we we're trying to figure it out. You know, we had this wonderful defense that can get takeaways. We had this top five defense and giving up in scoring, but yeah, we can't do anything on offense. So. It's been an interesting year. I would have liked to see us do do some trading, um, but that didn't happen. So uh, I don't know what we're doing, man. I, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think you can trade OCs in the middle of the season, bro. I wish I we could. Nah, can we trade? Uh, I guess nobody will take him, Dennis Allen, because I'm I'm calling for his head too. Right about now, man. He he ain't getting it for me, man. We 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 continuing to do this. Taste him here. I know he had a wonderful fantasy game. Uh, this past week, but you know, I'm tired of seeing Taysom Hill running it from the one instead of command. I'm just tired of this gadgety diet coke Sean Payton offense that we're trying to run. But I'm off that high horse. But week eight, you know, um, week eight, um, I think the biggest story here we we could start off, start off right off that Monday night football game. What we saw it was a it was a very brutal game. Um, as far as the Raiders. And their inability to get Devontae Adams the ball. Uh, he had one catch. I don't think he had a catch in the first half, did he? He might have had one. No, uh, he didn't have a catch. Did he get his first catch? catch? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, in the first half, actually, uh, why well, I can't think of uh, Garoppolo, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have a completion to a wide receiver within the first half of that game. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't – I mean, they need a, a – McDaniel, I don't know what he's doing out there, but, I mean, get, get the guy the ball. I mean, you're paying him all his money. Like, get him the ball. Like, he's a talent. He's a game changer. I don't know why they just can't find ways or creative ways to get him the ball. And, you know, I think Devontae Adams is beyond frustrated after a loss. I mean, he, at the end of the day, he's like, I don't even know what to say. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't know what to say either. Uh, but yeah, what, what do you think about that, man? And, and Devontae Adams and his outlook and his legacy is being wasted. His prime is being wasted. And he came there to play with his with his buddy Derek Carr. They shipped him out. Well, they ran him out. They didn't ship him out. They ran him out. And now he's stuck with Jimmy G. And, you know, they're not they're not really, you know, leveraging the offense towards him. They're not catering the offense towards him. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, you you basically said it at this point. You know, he came there under the impression that he would be reunited with his guy, Derek Carr, his college teammate. Um, and the thing about it, ultimately, no matter what we think of Derek Carr at this point and what he's given the Saints, you know, while he was there with Devontae Adams, Devontae was still able to be Devontae. And, you know, you see now as Jimmy Garoppolo has come in there, they have not been able to get on the same page. And it honestly, at this point, seems like it's getting worse. Like, I think even earlier in the season, to me, we saw still never any great rapport, but we saw Devontae be able to get the ball a little bit more. But now at this point, it's just, you know, 
no pass really seems on target. I do think Devontae had maybe a drop, maybe two uh, in that game uh, on Monday night, but there's just no connection there. Uh, He's a guy that I think was kind of a little bit on the radar to see, you know, hey, are they going to move him uh, at this trade deadline? Obviously, they didn't go in that direction to give him a change of scenery. And I think that, honestly, it's just going to continue to be a frustrating season. You know, I don't really see that this turns around and changes so much. You know, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, who is who he is as a court as a quarterback, I think that Josh McDaniels, to me, is not the greatest head guy or head coach that you can have there. And um, I, it, it may get ugly over there, you know, in Las Vegas, because obviously uh, Devontae has voiced his frustrations. Uh, he definitely had an interesting quote uh, that came out a couple weeks ago that we talked about as well, too. Um, but it, it's just ugly over there. And I, I think that he deserves more. He deserves better. Uh, and like you said, they're wasting away some of kind of the potential back in, you know, years of his prime. Yeah, man, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't want to spend much more time. I mimic what you say. You said it so eloquently. Um, but I hope that there's some resolution there. I mean, obviously it isn't. Um, he wasn't traded, you know, so uh, we'll, we'll see what it is. But I, I feel for for Devontae. I think he he deserves better. Um, and I don't know what, what the, where the Raiders are going and what direction they're going, but, you know, they need to fix that. Uh, and, and, and that's just the end of it. But um, just not to get on a damper, on a high note, we got our, our boy, Joey B. He's back. And the Bengals look like they are back. Um, a very impressive win that they had this past week and against the 49ers and, you know, who for the 49ers continue to kind of dwindle. And we got two big stories out of that. We got – um, we'll start with Joey, Joey B, but I want to discuss that Brock Purdy uh, angle a little bit. But Joey, Joey, he's finally healthy and, and he's he's performing well. And, you know, I, I think that people really forgot who Joe Burrow is when he is on point and when he's healthy. Uh, him and Jamar Chase are special together and they carried they carried that sauce into the league. Uh, but what, what were your thoughts on the game and, and Joey B here, man? Uh, you know, my initial thoughts are, you know, it's it's potentially scary hours for the league at this point. You know, um, seeing Joe Burrow look healthy, uh, I'll be the first to say, man, I was I was wrong weeks ago when we talked about this. Uh, we talked about Joe Burrow's health. You know, I was in the camp of maybe you need to kind of sit him, maybe you need to rest him till he gets, you know, to one hundred percent. And the Bengals just continue to let them play. They continue to kind of hang around as a team. And now they position themselves that, hey, they can make a run at this. And um, if that team is healthy, we know that Joe Burrow as a healthy QB is a top three quarterback in this league. I like to say he's a top two quarterback in this league. Um, I think even seeing him Sunday, I want to say he started off that game completing the first either 17 or 18 uh, passes, pass attempts that he had. He finished, what, 28 or 32. Uh, So extremely uh, just really good numbers there. Uh, Almost 300 yards passing, three touchdowns. He was locked in. I think another big development from that is you're seeing a guy in T. Higgins uh, begin to look a little bit more healthy as well, too. And so I think ultimately the storyline from that is, man, the Bengals are coming. (laughs) The Bengals are coming. And uh, they are going to be a very tough team, a very tough out uh, when you have those pieces that are healthy. 
And I thought that they looked uh, really solid on both sides of the ball on Sunday. Yeah, they definitely did. And, and you know, when you look at the Bengals, you know, they continue to win. And like you said, I'll, t- I'll touch on the team. The team had a plan with Joe. They knew he wasn't healthy, but they felt he could play through it. They felt like they could string some wins together and steer the ship. And it, they proved us wrong. I, you know, me included, I was wrong. And, you know, they stuck to their plan. And here, here we are. You know, and I tell you what, the Bengals are back. They're a contender. And, you know, they're they are who we predicted them to be in the beginning of the season. Um, they're they're rolling and I'd hate to see them right now. But if we got on the flip side, the 49s, of course, they had some injuries. Trent Williams didn't didn't suit up and play. Uh Debo Samuel, some of the major injuries uh on the 49ers side. Um, but when we look at them and we look at Brock Purdy, you know, it seems as though he's come down back down to earth a little bit. And I don't know, I'm not, I'm speculative, you know, uh, on this. And, you know, I, I want to, you know, I'm not going to bash the guy. He's had a, a a great run and I don't think that is by luck either. Um, but he, he's kind of come in the form and, you know, uh, you know, I heard a guy say, uh, one of my coworkers said it's the, it's the NFL, the not for a long league. And I, I was my first time hearing that kind of old school saying, but, you know, basically his point is when you see, when, when, when the film gets out there on a guy, you know, the teams will figure them out. And I think that's what you may be seeing right now. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there. You know, I think in looking at it, it's very key that you mentioned um, some of the guys that have been mentioned that have been missing, you know, recently. You you lose a guy like Trent Williams, that's, that's a big-time loss. That's just not mm-hmm. something that you gloss over. And then also, too, what Debo Samuel means for that offense as well, too. Yeah. And so I think you hit the nail on the head with those losses that are there. Then it does cause Brock Purdy to have to rise to a different level that maybe he can't quite get to. Um, And there's nothing wrong with him being able to fit in when he has those weapons surrounding him, be, quote, unquote, a, a game manager, but get the uh ball in the hands of his weapons. That's what he's supposed to do. Um, and I think that ultimately, if you see that team get healthy, of course, Debo should be back in a couple of weeks after they make it through the bye week and all of that. You'll end up getting Trent Williams back. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey looked relatively healthy um, in that game. I think that you will see, hopefully, Brock Purdy be able to kind of ride and steer the ship. But, you know, man, you know, recently the train has been a little bit off the tracks and you've been seeing him. What I think has been the most difficult part is turn the ball over and put his team in bad positions with really untimely um, and uncharacteristic turnovers. And that's been the biggest issue. And you saw that in the game on Sunday where he turned the ball over three times. So do I think that it's over for Brock Purdy? Do I think that he can't right the ship? I don't necessarily believe that. Uh, but it is a little bit of alarming. And I do think that uh, obviously if Los was on this podcast, uh, he would be doing a little bit of a victory lap uh, right now because, you know, these are the kind of things that he said about Brock Purdy in the past. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get into it, man. We got waiver wire pickups tomorrow is waiver wire Wednesday. We will drop this podcast tonight as you hear it late tonight so if you're able to listen to us at that time we appreciate you for being that devoted but we'll have our, our waiver wire pickups for teams that are still holding on looking for some help here uh as as we said you got you got david montgomery out you got which jameer gibbs has been the 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 uh kind of the re, the receptor of uh of, of usage and in yards he's been doing great 
Um, but yeah, you got you got you got Kirk Cousins out, so you may be looking for some quarterback help. But we are here to help you. The OB waiver wire pickup, Ramon. I will flip it to you first. Who are you out on that waiver wire and help the fans out there? Help. I'm sorry, the listeners out there and our followers. Help them out there to you know kind of add some depth to their team. Yeah, I think that you know if you're looking on the waiver wire um, in this particular weekend, like you said, maybe starting kind of at that QB position, uh, obviously with Kirk Cousins going down and not knowing maybe what kind of depth that um, guys have had uh, at that QB position. I think that an interesting name, and maybe we're moving on this guy too quickly, but uh, Will Levis had a heck of a showing. What a game. Um, yeah, what he a game. He had a heck of a game, and I think that he's a guy that maybe you take a look at, take a stab at before – you know, things get out of sorts. If he strings together two or three of these games, he's obviously going to be a guy that maybe down the line you don't have a chance at. So it's better to get ahead of it than to be behind it um, and maybe grab him as a guy that you can stash. Um, also, too, I think that in leagues you may have guys um, still floating out there, potentially even like your guy Derek Carter may still be sitting out there um, on the waiver wire on some in some leagues. So, I think that those approach are guys with, as a Saints fan approach <laughs> with caution. <laughs> with caution. As, as Ramon can see my Saints helmet in the background. Yes. I'm very loyal, but approach with yep. caution, please. Yeah. So uh, those are kind of maybe, you know, some guys that kind of probably in deeper leagues that maybe I would take a look at. Uh, those are some of the leagues that we typically play in are, are uh, leagues. That's a little bit deeper. Um, and then, you know, that's probably what I would kind of look at from a QB standpoint. Um, I don't Can know I if you on? have any guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, what about Sam Howell? I'm not talking about the the bad news commanders, but can do you believe, Ramon, that Sam Howell is the number eight quarterback in PPR leagues? Uh, he's on fire. If it's somebody, if I need some QB help, if you're not going to want to take a chance on a guy like Will Levis, uh, Will Levis is probably a guy you'll want to see it again before you put him in your lineup. But I mean, Sam Howell is rolling, and they're letting the thing about it, he plays for Eric Bieniemy. So Bieniemy, and Eric Bieniemy likes to air it out, and he has thrown the ball, I think, on average at least forty times per game this year so far, around there, and maybe a uh, high thirties. Up, I know for a fact. So he's got his airing it out. You know, we saw the emergence. We, we know he has the talent of Jahan Dotson, who had a, a great game last this past week he has terry scary terry still over there a talent logan thomas is is a tight is a low-end tight end one in my eyes um so i mean it's it's a good offense to to get a piece of fan from a fantasy perspective and you know give me some sam howell this week i will you know i'll be keeping my eye on that uh going forward if i'm if i'm not able to get will levis yeah no i think that that's definitely a good call out or definitely a good pick right there um, I think kind of and Will know, Levis is only rostered on in eight percent of teams in the league, you know. So in, in according to sleepers, so I mean, hey, you know, he's out there, you know. Yep, and I think like we said, sometimes you got to get in a little bit early on these guys than just waiting, you know. So I think that if if you were in a position to have the luxury to like you were alluding to, Rob, maybe sit one week and see him kind of for one more week. But to me, at least get them on your roster to be able to have that luxury then to take a step back. And now you're having to, you know, potentially pay more for a guy um, if you're going the fab route or anything of that sort. Um, you know, I think that when you look at guys, I think that another guy 
to target. And it's kind of weird to talk about the Saints offense so much. Um, (laughs) But I think you can't ignore what they've been doing with a guy like Taysom Hill. You know, I think that if you're sitting there and Taysom Hill is still available in your league, uh, I think that he's a guy that you have to consider because he's a guy also, too, that you can slide into a few different uh, spots and positions on your roster. He has positional flexibility. Um, so I think that he's a guy that you have to consider if he's still floating out there on your waiver wire. Hey, trust me, he's one of the most frustrating parts of our offense, but fantasy owners are, are elated. He had two touchdowns uh, this past week, and he had a touchdown last week. He's catching passes. Uh, he's 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 getting he's getting rushing yards. He's passing the ball, so he's active. We made a point to get him involved in the offense for reasons that's beyond me. Uh, but yeah, we we Taysom Hill's a nice little pickup. Uh, uh, Ramon, how about uh with, with Kendrick Bourne going down, Demario Douglas, uh, for the yep. Patriots. Um, that's another offense that I never thought we'd talk about. Like Ramon just mentioned about my Saints, not a good offense, not a good quarterback. But, I mean, you have to go with talent and volume here. And with Kendrick Bourne going down here, you have to think that DeMario Davis's, um, DeMario Davis's value will be up here. So if you ever get DeMario Davis, he's only rostered in 6% of leagues on Sleeper App, I would go ahead and grab him and just stash him, see what he does. And, you know, he may be a good flex pick. We got some more bye weeks coming up, so it might help you through a week. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think that, you know, a guy that you could look at as well, too, um, especially to me, tight end is always a, a kind of position that there's a lot of volatility there. And if you don't have one of the elite guys, you kind of somewhat can struggle at this position. But I think a guy that's worth taking a look at this week is Trey McBride. You know, you look at him and the performance he had this past week. Uh, he's a guy that I think finished his past week with 25 plus points uh, within PPR format. Uh, obviously, Zach Ertz is on IR at this point. We do know that within the coming weeks, you know, it it probably won't be this week, but very soon Kyler Murray will be back. And, you know, he would be a nice safety blanket probably for Kyler Murray as he returns. So I think if you're looking for a little bit of help at tight end, that uh, Trey McBride is a guy that you can look to target in waiver wire pickups. Yeah, that's a good one. And and last but not least, you know, I don't know if you had another one, but I, I got Leonard Fournette. He uh, if if you if newsflash, if you hadn't been keeping up, he signed to the Bills practice squad. Now I'm not promising anything. I mean, he they signed him to the practice squad. He could very well be dropped in a few weeks, but it is interesting to monitor considering his production with the Bucks this past season and in, in, in the season before. Leonard is is a talent. We know he is. And now you add him in the fold into a number one offense in the NFL, one of the high powered offense in the NFL. Uh, so you you have to think that he either go one way. You could get a situation like he was with the Bucks, where he became the primary back, or you could get a bust. But if you have the luxury and you have an extra spot, pick him up. See what happens. Monitor monitor it from week to week. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, I'm glad I have him in uh one of my dynasty leagues just to kind of see, you know. Yeah, I actually drafted him in a redraft league, but I just couldn't afford to keep him for this long. I would have thought he would have been signed to a team like. Uh, you know, weeks ago, you know, we've had running backs go down from week to week and, you know, he hadn't budged and he finally has. Uh, but shout out to Leonard, man. I think he has a lot left in the tank. Uh, and obviously, you know, he was smart. Skip camp, you know, get get those legs rested. Now he's ready to go. So we know 
uh, around the end of December, he should be ready to go and be playing uh, playoff football until his playoff level. So, but yeah, that, that'll wrap up the waiver wire segment. Um, OB waiver wire segment. We did it again. Um, so we hopefully your fantasy teams are doing how your fantasy teams are doing, Ramon. You know, I you know the polls been closed. We hadn't checked in in a while. Yeah, I've actually been having a, a strong year fantasy wise. The last two weeks, I've actually I'm in a total of four uh, leagues. In the last two weeks, I've went four and zero oh, uh, in my leagues. I think that I have two leagues where I sit at um, seven and one, and then I'm six and two in our opinionated bench warmers league. And uh, five and three in our dynasty league. And so uh, just trying to weather uh, the ship with some of the injuries and different things that have occurred. And hopefully I can get some of my guys back, uh, especially in our opinionated bench warmers and uh, in our dynasty league as well, too. So that's kind of how I'm looking a pretty solid season so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I've you know, I'm four and four in the OB league. I've had been bit by the injury bug, things I can't control, but. You know, I'm proud of my, you know, my Fred League. I mean, I started off 0-3, and here I am sitting 5-3. and I ripped off five in a row. I hadn't lost in a while, man. It's been a while. I hadn't lost in a month. Uh, But, you know, a lot of injuries, man. I had David Montgomery go down, Saquon go down. Uh, I'm going to say Brown missed the week. So I've been scraping and clawing in Italy, and Italy. Kyron Williams went down. So, you know, I'm very proud of this season. And if I was, you know, I, I want to continue to win, but – you know, this this will be probably one of the more special seasons just because of how many injuries I was able to overcome. So it's just week eight. We got a long ways to go. Uh, but uh, but to rip off five, we know how hard it is to get those wins, especially in the leagues we compete in. 100%. It's always a grind. Always yeah, a grind. Yes, always a grind. So that just goes to tell you out there, listeners, do not panic. You know, keep scraping and clawing out there for the four and four teams. If, you know, if you're, you, you, you might have slipped down and, and you might be, um, you know, down in the dumps about your team, but just keep scraping and clawing, scra- scrape the waiver wire, look for trades that make sense for your team and keep keep scraping and, you know, you could be in the thick of things as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. Like you said, keep you never know when you can, you know, jump back into the playoff scenario. Uh, but what I would say as well, too, is for league or integrity, still set your lineups, man, and still, yeah. still do what you got to do for the league. Any league that you're in, I don't care right now if you are, what it's been, eight weeks, if you are 0-8, set your lineups. Thanks. Don't do that to the other teams that are contending um, because you really can throw off the balance of the league. So I just want to throw that out there as well, too. Don't give up on whatever position you may be in, but also, too, know that you can impact the entire league if you're in a league and you just decide to just give up in the middle of it. Facts. And you you if you do that in our league, you get kicked out. So we don't play that mess in OB in the OB league. But I think we did it again, brother. Uh great podcast, great listening. Thank you for rocking with us. If you were still listening to us at this point in the podcast, as I always say, make sure you're following us on O underscore bench warmers on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. So Plenated Bench Warmers, wherever you like to get your podcast. And if you're not subscribed, make sure that you subscribe. If you enjoy what you heard, share it with a friend. It's greatly appreciated. If you're feeling more uh, of the love for OB, uh, leave a review. Let us know how much you love it. Uh, it affects the numbers. So we appreciate everything and all the support. And until next time, we out. Later.